For you. Yes. Sorry, our clickers. Yes. <laughs> there. Magic. Reverse click. So I I like to say that a lot of what I of my work here at Baylor University and why I love doing it so much is because I'm taking care of my 20 year old self. That a lot of work that I'm doing is extremely selfish because I'm able to do for you all what I wish I had done for me. I'm able to pass on wisdom to you. Well, you can decide for yourself if it's wisdom, but I'm able to pass on advice at least um, that I wish that I had. 
this trip is the doctor who was there, who I had, had been a friend of our family, um, wanted to go to uh, to uh, CME, a Continuing Medical Education Conference in Nairobi, but if she went, there wouldn't be a doctor there at the clinic. So I um, I worked at this clinic for six weeks, and um, uh, they loved that I wore the Maasai jewelry, and, and um, so so these are some of the Maasai women here getting ready to go to a party. And, this is in a, a, a Maasai hut there. That's my husband there talking to some of the Maasai. So this was a, 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 a small village area called Ndoina Arinka that was a six-hour drive from, from Nairobi. Um, there's no pizza delivery. In fact, that was one of the most hysterical conversations I got into was explaining pizza delivery to the Maasai. That was a great, that was really interesting. Okay, click. Click. Okay, all right. So this is the clinic, uh, this is the clinic that I worked in. And uh, this clinic is kind of sitting right here in the, would be right here in the foreground. And that little blue house is where I live. And then these are the, um, uh, the cattle and the goats that um, sort of are the economy and the food and the bank and the um, social structure and everything for the Maasai. And this is, uh, this is in the, the main clinic room here. This is the waiting room. And so you treat patients on the bench one next to another. There's no patient confidentiality in that particular um, particular uh, culture. Okay, click. All right, so these are some, um, uh, this is a clinic worker named William that I work with, and this is the missionary doctor that I sub for, and these are some women, um, They, if, if, which it doesn't need to be, it's fine, but they have their heads painted all red, they're getting ready to go to a party, um, and so that um, that is a very, you know, they're kind of all in their festive dress. And this is a, a little newborn baby I got to take care of there, they're very beautiful. Um, and of course, you know, you can't go to East Africa without going on safari. I took care of one woman who was uh, gored by a Cape buffalo, and then, oops. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is a pride of lion sitting out there on the savannah. This is just a couple of miles from the clinic. Okay, next. All right. So another um, trip that I went on was um, to India and Nepal, and this is a hospital in Nepal in Kathmandu called Patan Hospital. Um, that's mainly a leprosy hospital there. Um, okay, click. Um, this is a patient that had leprosy. Um, these are a couple of different patients. This young man has it on his toe. Here's someone who's lost all their um, all their fingers. Here's someone that has a particularly badly involved um, index finger there. Okay, click. Um, and it's again, it's just a beautiful part of the world. Just amazingly beautiful. Click. Um, I also, in August of 1999, there was an um, earthquake that hit um, this part of Turkey just outside of, um, just outside of Istanbul. Istanbul is here. Um, Istanbul, or Constantinople was the old name, joins the Asian and the European continent, and the epicenter of the earthquake was here. I can remember reading about mothers, and I was a young mother at the time, I, my child was just probably, well, probably less than about a year old. And I can remember reading about mothers digging their babies out of the rubble in the newspaper that morning. And um, of course that's terrifying for any of us. Um, when you're a, a mother yourself or a parent yourself, I mean the thought of that takes on a whole new significance. And so I can remember crying in my kitchen in the morning reading about these mothers. And then by six o'clock that night, through circumstances, I won't take your time, I was on a flight to Turkey. I've never been to Turkey before. But they needed doctors out there to help with, um, you know, with primary care and some of the injuries. Okay, click. And um, so this just shows you some of the um, some of the devastation there. And um, 
uh, I was very glad that I went on this trip, but I could tell you, again, at the end of the trip, I had real questions about why I was there and what might have been a better use of time or money than my being there. Okay, next. Um, again, this just shows some of the devastation all around. And of course, the buildings were, the, the, the way that the buildings were constructed contributed a lot. It was also, you know, a really powerful earthquake. Um, but uh, many, many buildings just reduced to absolute rubble. Okay, next. Um, and then uh, while I was there, uh, the Turks are extraordinarily hospitable people. And I mean, hospitality is one thing when you have a house, um, hospitality is a whole other thing when, where you live has been utterly destroyed. And so it's amazing to me that, um, that the Turks that I met were able to extend just a whole new level of hospitality when you don't even have a house or anything to cook in. Um, the, the Turks are pretty proud of their, um, their sort of nomadic roots, and so they, they kind of think of themselves as a, as a nation of, of people who would be comfortable living a nomadic sort of Bedouin lifestyle anyway. Um, but that doesn't mean it wasn't difficult. These are tents that were set up by the Red Crescent, Red Crescent in that part of the country, not Red Cross. And so these were tents that I stayed in. Um, but of course, my being there meant that um, I was eating food that a Turk could have eaten. I was drinking water that a Turk could have drunk. I was taking resources. I was in a tent that a Turkish person could have been in. And so I had real questions again coming home about whether or not that was the, the, right, the right response to that. Okay, next. Um, and then this is a friend of mine, Dr. Mike Harden, who's now the residency program director at the Family Health Center. He and I were at Bayer together. We first met falling asleep in Dr. House's chemistry class. Um, that's where we first met. And we were waking each other up, kind of keeling over on each other. And so um, that's where we first met. And then we ended up in medical school together. He dated our roommate. We ended up in residency together. We were chief residents together. He's the closest thing I have to a brother, you know, medically. Um, and so he and his wife, Dr. Carol Harden, Dr. Carol Harden is a linguist. She grew up in Papua New Guinea, and her parents were the Wycliffe missionaries. If you know anything about Wycliffe, you know it's all about linguistics and Bible translation. She teaches uh, in the Spanish department here at Bayer. She teaches the medical Spanish class, which I highly recommend. So um, Carol and Mike, together with their three children, went to this hospital in Ecuador, Shell, Ecuador, right on the edge of the Amazon jungle. And so um, they were there for three years in this hospital Bozartes del Oriente, and um, so one of the summers, Mike was, it was a little short on hospital staff because they were going on furlough or they were going to conferences, and so um, my Spanish is, fluent, fluency is a word that I do not claim. To me, fluency means I can read Dr. Yogi in Spanish, and I can't do that. So I do claim proficiency in Spanish, and so um, I felt comfortable enough to spend some weeks there at the hospital kind of covering for their, um, while their doctors were out. Okay, next. Okay, and these are just some scenes from um, from the hospital there, and uh, I mean they had computerized medical records before a lot of places here in the states had. Um, and here's um, Mike in his um, office, which if you didn't know it was in Ecuador, you wouldn't know it wasn't someplace here in Waco, Texas. This was a nurse um, that I worked with, Esperanza. And so it's a very, this is a resident giving a presentation about GI bleeding. And so um, some of the things I've learned about clinicians is that whatever your stereotype or your idea about what it might be like is, it's not going to be that. So that uh, my experience is that for most Americans, um, they're finding that a lot of the doctors, a lot of the healthcare delivery in a lot of countries is more advanced or more sophisticated than you might think. Okay, next. Um, 
and this, this is just he's showing where on the map um, we are, and then these are some Ecuadorian children there at the river. They don't have bathtubs, so they come to bathe in the river. Okay, next. Um, and again, these are just some Ecuadorian patients. Next. Um, this is, uh, snake bite is very common there, so this is a little boy that we took care of uh, when he came in very, very sick from snake bite. This is his suitcase from the jungle. They bring in all their things that are usually flown in from the um, uh, Missionary Aviation Fellowship, some of you might be familiar with. Um, this is his leg before the surgery, and um, this is afterwards after he got well. So, all right, next. Okay, next. Um, and then uh, the reason I put this in is because you know, let's be honest, it's kind of interesting, right, kind of exotic, kind of exciting, you know, the idea of seeing some other places in the world. And so, you know, we went with our family. This is the, um, the equator there. Actually, they got it wrong. The Europeans got where the equator was wrong. The Indians knew where it was, and I don't know if they didn't tell them. Or Anyway, it's off a few degrees, when, you know, in the, the theme park around the equator. Um, and uh, this is, but there's, you know, here's east and here's, you know, um, north and south. And then this is a, a, a waterfall there that's pretty spectacular. Okay, next. Um, and then we're going to, whoever's back there behind the curtain, we're going to stay here for a while so you can come out if you want to. Okay? All right. Okay. So, <laughs> so we're just going to sit on the side for just a second. So I wanted to give you a little idea of what my, um, what my past experiences were. They're not extensive, they're not, you know, they're not, they're not massive, they're not huge, but I just wanted to give you a little bit of an example of a few of the things that I had done. And I come back feeling pretty, um, even though I was, you know, thankful for the opportunity to go, I had a lot of questions when I came back. Because I didn't really feel like it was a good use of um, time or resources necessarily. I, um, on the other hand, I would talk to other um, physicians that I knew that had been on trips, and um, not everyone's experience is mine. Okay, so I don't I don't purport to claim that you know this is this is this is only my story. That's the only story I can tell you. But I will say that I would run into other doctors who've been on short-term medical mission trips, and they came back much more enthusiastic, much more eager. You know, they came back kind of on a spiritual high. That wasn't my experience at all. Uh, my experience was leading with a lot of questions. I mean, I gave out you know blood pressure medications for two weeks. I mean, I treated parasites that are going to come back. You know, as soon as the medication wears off. I um, I took away you know water and food and shelter from other people who could have used that. Um, when you think about you know uh, a third, what is a plane ticket from back and forth to Kenya now? Lisa, Yeah. So when I think about I think back then it was maybe even a little more like more like maybe like $1,500 or $3,000. That's a lot of money that I could have used to buy supplies or equipment or something like that instead of spending it on myself. Um, and then there was also bumping into a certain breed of doctor um, or a certain breed of physician or healthcare worker where it felt almost like um, something I would call 
surgeon. Um, that's not the kind of medicine I practice. I practice primary care. So you'll have to make up your own mind about the own, the own projects you encounter. Um, but I just want to give you my perspective. So um, this article, Reinventing Short-Term Medical Missions, uh, I want to read a few things from this. Um, so let's talk about um, let's talk about the good side, okay? Um, I'm good, and again, I'm quoting from this paper with I'm, I'm taking some excerpts. Um, first, um, every every country um, has a segment of its population that lacks access to health care, sufficient income, and adequate living conditions to sustain good health. Second, hundreds of churches in the United States, Canada, and other wealthy countries have abundant resources and members who are physicians, dentists, nurses, and other health care workers, many of whom are willing to use their vacation times and their own funds to transport themselves, medical equipment, and medications to, um, to a country to provide free health care. Short-term medical missions, as currently constituted, are neither the most appropriate. 
collaborative, not very mutual, and sort of that sort of we're the Americans, we know how to do things kind of thing. Okay, what else?
something. But that is not adequate or sufficient to translate in situations like that. So even if you speak pretty good Spanish, to me, in my mind, that's still not good enough. You know, pretty good in, in certain situations is not good enough. Um, so we talked about cost, we talked about language, we talked about, um, you know, I, I've been on trips with people, this wasn't a medical trip, but this was a trip to India where um, the people I was with on this particular team literally did not know who Mahatma Gandhi was. I had to repeat after me, Mahatma Gandhi was a profound influence on Martin Luther King Jr. Repeat after me. So the fact that they didn't understand a Muslim from a Hindu, um, you know, at 50 paces just startled me. But, um, but you may find yourself, if you're not careful, um, on teams with people who may not have done a lot of research into the community they're going to. And again, I just don't find that, you know, that's just not acceptable. Um, and we haven't even mentioned the fact of trips going in sort of like, you know, just being dropped into communities where they haven't done any research about what are the needs of that particular community that you're going into. Um, the, the other thing that I've seen quite a lot of is Americans who feel like they're being, well, I, I can't say maybe other, other cultures too, but I'm American, so that's all I know. But Americans who say, gosh, we have this ultrasound machine we'd love to give you. And first of all, it's like it would be a piece of junk over here. Um, not to mention the fact that they may not have the parts the country that you're sending it to, or they may not use that kind of electricity, you know, that, that it may be it may be just a huge piece of junk that is literally somebody spent a lot of money to transport it over to another country where it just sits because nobody knows how to use it, we don't have the parts for it, we don't we can't do the maintenance, and it's just it's a piece of junk. And it was a piece of junk here, and guess what? It's still a piece of junk over there, you know. Um, and so those are the kinds of things that I've seen many, many times that are not um, that are not doing our uh, our hosts any good. And we haven't even gotten to the point of talking about what a um, what a burden short-term medical um, teams can be on the host that is putting you up, buying transportation, feeding you, um, housing you, um, basically that, that's your host and that it can be a tremendous burden on, on our hosts. Um, and so I'm aware of, any of you who know missionaries or any of you who have um, you know, acquaintances, you can ask about this. There are times when it's just not worth the kind of time and um, intense uh, energy and, um, and cost for them um, that in some cases they would just rather some of these teams not come. Um, now I gave this talk a year ago and, um, and there were a couple of different responses. One response was um, was a team that took these papers with them on their trip, and they talked about these papers every night. Um, so they would they would talk about an aspect of these papers every night. Another team was a team who didn't take these papers with them. Um, and what got back to me by the physician who led the team was, gosh, Lauren, you really discouraged those students. They really came away thinking that you just didn't think that that anybody should do medical missions. That is not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that any um, efforts that we make as American um, Christian physicians, physician assistants, nurse practitioners, nurses, um, that we want to be um, very informed 
physicians there to do the work that they need to do with their own patients. That, to me, is a very valid way. Um, that's a valid way I want to spend my time when it comes to, um, to medical physicians. Um, any comments or thoughts so far? How am I doing, Jolene, on time? What time are we at? We have about 15 minutes. Okay. Um, so I just want to say that um, before I be happy, and I want to dialogue with us, you know, I want us to talk about this more. This is only my experience. Um, it's only my story. Um, again, I'm not an expert at all by any means, but I do, uh, I have had enough experience to know that there's a certain kind or brand of short-term medical mission trip that I find very shallow. And I want to do anything I can to help everyone in this room who has an interest in medical missions or a heart for medical missions to avoid those kinds of trips so that you're spending that dollar and that, you know, that day, um, those dollars in the best possible way um, in the kingdom of God. Um, I will say that there was a moment that I had great, great trepidation going on this trip to El Salvador. I was very, very conflicted about it. Um, and there was a moment when something happened that um, made me feel that this is uh, something that I wanted to be a part of again. And that was uh, a church out in a little um, village called Cahoka Becky. The church was completely cleared out. The Salvadoran medical students were in the behind this thing. I mean, they set up files, they set up triage, they set up a pharmacy, they set up the doctor station. And I mean, it was a machine. They had it very well run. They set up with the mayor the day before or the week before. And so we came in and we were. We were learning from them and basically supporting them in what they did. The fact that this Baylor team came meant that they were able to go to a village that they wouldn't have been able to go to because Baylor was able to underwrite that. But when I saw these Baylor pre-med, pre-health students learning from the Salvadoran medical students and from the Salvadoran doctors, you know, I don't know about, I, don't, I have not forget, forgotten the first day I dressed up like a doctor. I haven't forgotten the first time I put on the stethoscope. I, can't, I haven't forgotten the first time I, you know, looked at, saw the back of an eye or looked in an ear. I mean, those are things you don't forget. And so for me to see these Baylor students being marked forever with their first taste of medicine, their very first taste of medicine, first time they put on the stethoscope, first time they learned to look at an ear, first time they learned to look at an eye, and it was marked, first of all, it was in the setting of a church in the village. Second of all, it was under the guidance and tutelage of these Salvadoran students. And so to see the humility and the excitement and the compassion. Um, by the way, this is not fee-for-service, right? There's no money changing hands. I mean, there's no reimbursement. These doctors aren't getting paid to do this. It was all of the best of what medicine and medical missions could be as their very first taste of medicine. Um, the, the, um, the Hasidic Jews, when their babies, when their children are old enough and they show them Torah the first time, they give their children sweets or they give them honey. So they always remember their very first glimpse of Torah is always associated with something sweet, something, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's that that experience. And that's what I was seeing in that church, is the first taste of medicine um, being marked by service and by um, compassion, and but overarching all that, the humility, right?
learning from these Salvadoran doctors and, and learning about what true service meant. So I will stop there. Um, I just want to commend these articles to you. It's not the whole story, but it will at least give you a perspective on short-term medical missions that you might not hear. That is, I think, a fair critique. Um, and I love to hear your comments to me, to each other, thoughts. Um, I can't help but but be very aware that Dr. Faye 
American thought of them as a third world country. Um, so they, so the, the, the people that I was sent by, and again, that's my naive you know, understanding at the time, um, were not very well informed by what the, what the resources that the, the medical community there. Okay, so, yeah, so for like, um, Haiti's very personal to me, and the Haiti earthquake, I mean, I felt like they were still doing triage months after there was no public health prior to the earthquake. Well, not no. There's very little attention on public health in Haiti prior to the earthquake, and then I felt like that was exacerbated after the earthquake. I mean, what sort of situations can we justify sending, you know, primary care physicians who have a practice here, or even specialists down into places like Haiti post-earthquake, um, but it's still totally ravaged. I mean, what what sort of layout do we have to be working on? What sort of time frame? Well, I think, and I'd be happy for everyone um, to jump in here um, if you have experience or story to share. I think it would be so variable based on the country, based on the situation, that it's hard for me to answer that question and it would be hard for me to address it in a meaningful way. To me, it would depend on, um, uh, like Dr. Baker's talked about, Somebody who had real experience on an ongoing relationship. 
kind of freelance, I just would highly, I would just strongly discourage that. I would love to. I was planning on doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my question is, you know, we know there's a need in Kenya, and we have great people like Dr. Baker who have established that. But what about, you know, in 10 years when the there's there already is a huge need in Mexico, but how do you start those initiatives, and how do you, as a church or as a medical professional, or do you, like how do you start those initiatives? I, you know, I guess what I would say is I wouldn't start those initiatives. I, I would I would want to be I would, I would I would want to be sort of joining in um, along with alongside partnering with initiatives that were being started by the people who actually live there who know what they need. Um, and I guess I just I guess the whole I mean a, a way to boil this whole time that we've had together down uh, to um, as as simply as I can is just because we're Americans does not mean that we know what other people need. Is the bottom line. In fact, maybe because we're Americans, we don't know what other people need. And so doing so so joining in and finding ways to sort of partner with, support, sustain, encourage, um, enhance. The work that's already going on in country is, to my mind, that that is the way to be Christ to um, to our brothers and sisters in those countries. And also, the other thing I'll say is not only just because we're Americans, uh, but also because we're if, if, if I I mean I don't want to make any assumptions, but because we have a medical mission part tagged onto this this talk, I, I, I suspect a lot of you are headed toward healthcare or um, and so it's worse than just being American. It's worse than being, so it's being American doctors. Okay, that, that's a real problem because we have this sort of hubris that, oh, we know what we're doing, but it's okay, I'm a doctor. And so we, I just think we need to be very, very careful about um, inflicting ourselves on other people in other parts of the world um, that either haven't asked us or we haven't asked close with a, a comment here and then I'm happy to hang around. I'm happy to, I'm, if you disagree, I'm, I'm happy to, to, you know, to talk about that some more. Um, but I do want to um, close with just one or two thoughts here. Um, one is a team here. Let me just tell, tell this story. A team um, we, we, we received an email saying I'm coming to the Dominican Republic with a short-term medical mission team for a week and I want to know what I can do to make a lasting improvement in the health of the people there. The short and honest answer is nothing. I mean, nothing. Um, so um, most of the things that short-term medical teams could do well are related less to medicine than to relationships. Relationships with patients, with the local people, local church and uh, with the Lord as the participants' spiritual journeys proceed. Um, and so ultimately um, it is the Christian missionary doctor or nurse's reflection of Christ which will be important um, to his cause and not what we what we actually do but more about who we are as people. So we're not saying as, as we leave here today, I'm not saying that short-term medical uh, teams um, should it go? I'm saying that we need to be, um, be non-knowledgeable, we need to be aware, we need to be open to our host countries' um, uh, recommendations, we need to read as much as we can, 
strengthen friendships and cross-cultural relationships. We can help with medical equipment and 